Hello, and welcome to Mr. Suitcase. Um, as I fumble through my papers, here's professionalism. Um, Mr. Suitcase number 23, what we have here is uh, on the edge of tables, we have uh, Patrick Chapin um, playing against a opponent whose, whose name I'm going to have for you in just a moment. Um, and we'll be watching. Uh, Patrick's opponent has a sweet angel playmat, so uh, we will go from there. So that starts off with uh, opponent on uh, flight songs of troll care and mothers of runes and uh, looks like a hickory woodlot. Chapin goes um, with Mistress Factory into Wasteland, Wasteland, the, uh, the green land there. And uh, just going to go ahead and have it there. So the follow-up card is another white card. Showing the collage, and then it goes ahead and plays Tundra and Brainstorm, Chapin does. So, we've got Flagstone's a troll Karen to play, and two white cards for his opponent, with the first of which being Mother of Runes. Uh, Chapin brainstorms. He's looking at his, his hand now after he's drawn his three, and uh, is putting cards back on top. So... The uh, bottom card that he put on top is Mox Diamond. I'm walking away from the match, so I don't say that where they can hear it. Uh, I've come back in, and uh, the Brainstorm, of course, at the end of his opponent's turn, he has Chapin uh, uh, has Scalding Tarn in play now, and uh, passes the turn back to his opponent. So he draws and passes back. Um, So Chapin uh, does predict and predicts Mox Diamond. Mox Diamond is put into the graveyard, and Chapin draws two cards. Um, so um, still has a Scalding Tarns untapped, and sacks the Scalding Tarn to go find a Tundra, making a two in play now for him one untapped at the end of turn so see if he has any more actions at the end of his opponent's turn opponent cuts the deck and passes it back so uh, Chaven un draws untaps and uh, is casting uh, three mana puts three mana in his pool or brainstorms and goes ahead and puts two cards back on top uh, brainstorm was the end of turn so it cast one plays uh, flooded strand and we'll see if he wants the two cards that he put on top or if he does not taps flooded strand and uh, goes away finds a volcanic island and uh, shuffles up his, his cards there Presents deck, gets cut, and uh, he now has four mana, and goes ahead and plays his uh, spell I am not familiar with, so um, his opponent uh, plays Caracas and Jate, so... Uh, 
now we are into um, Chapin's turn. He draws and uh, taps a tundra to and a uh, there and, and an a island or rather tropical island to put counterbalance out and then taps the Mishra's factory to put out uh, top which factory can turn into a 2-2 for one mana amount whereas uh, now we have a green land again so uh, Gaia's Cradle in play uh, for uh, Chapin's opponent. Gaia's Cradle um, is a tap added green for each creature you control. And uh, we have uh, he has two creatures in play. Um, and he has gone ahead and played O-Ring. Um, and Chapin is... Uh, force of willing it uh, with uh, days as uh, as the spell that is removed from the game. So at the end of the turn, he goes ahead and uh, tops. Look at the top three and draws a card. Plays uh, Crucible Worlds. Uh, his land for the turn is Wasteland, and Wasteland's uh, the second greatest, greatest cradle of the game. And uh, Patrick has asked me to be a little quiet. I'm talking loud, so uh, I've stepped further away from the match. I uh, don't want to be disruptive. Um, so I think what I'll probably do is uh, stand close, um, go ahead and uh, watch what's going on, come off to the side and observe. So uh, Swords of Plowshare just hit a um, chitade creature, so which is removed from the game. It has done its business uh, taking out Caracas and, uh, um, and then has uh, Mother Runes... Uh, was uh, taken out as well with fire with one pinging to uh, his life and uh, Chapin has gone and now I, he played a previous top earlier and then resolved Jason Line Sculpture and that scoops up the game. So an interesting turn of events there. Uh, Pat Chapin went to go to do his sideboard and um, his sitting right next to him was um a guy from another bo- uh, another match who's playing has the same card box and has the same sleeves. So I guess Chapin encountered his sideboard and then put it back into his uh, uh, a match next to his uh, his his box, uh, putting his sideboard in. So uh, they judges uh, quickly uh, just looked around real quick discovered that the two similarly sleeved decks and similar boxes there and uh, went ahead and um, and went and resolved the issue so uh, odd problem and uh, good resolution so so we're into game two and in Chapin Jar are two wastelands a flooded strand a swords of plowshare and three brainstorm um, underneath uh, his opponent's oblivion ring is is counterbalance and he has top in play two islands and a tundra and just played a plains. Um, um, so um, 
and then it's someone on his opponent's turn there. He has, uh, it looks like, the two islands and um, the Caracas in, in the bin and uh, uh, probably a Flagstone's a troll care out there. Um, and I think some rebels, he obviously has the O-ring. He has a, a Jete enchanting something as well. So, or Jete, it looks like attached to, to a creature as well. So, uh... So his opponent looks like he's playing uh, a rebel's deck and uh, has the the bird searcher rebel out, um, uh, whatever, rebel falcon. Um, and uh, Chapin had played Jason Mine Sculptor and bounced it. Uh, Mother Runes is now atta- equipped with Jitte and uh, attacking. And uh, attacked uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor. So... Oh. So Jitte attacks J- uh, Jitte Runes attacks Jace and uh, ends up getting two counters on Jit. Chapin Fade seals himself, bringing Jace back up to three. Uh, puts Volcanic Island on the bottom. So Remotion Sergeant has been searched up by the uh, Rebel Hawk and. Uh, so Jitte has uh, three counters on it, and uh, Chapin has a top in play. Uh, two Aura Silences uh, ended up, uh, Chapin used his to take out uh, his opponents. He still has a Wasteland and hasn't, uh, hasn't, hasn't used it yet out. Uh, his opponent borders three planes and Flagstone's a troll care. Um, and uh, Chapin has white and blue mana available. And there you go. So now they are uh, into game three, and uh, into game three, Pat Chapin uh, lost that one. Uh, the beatdown uh, went through, and probably O-ring on counterbalance, definitely a crucial play in that game. So we've got uh, uh, Wasteland top, and then uh, Island Aether Vial, Force of Will removing counterbalance to counter Aether Vial. Uh, scalding Tarn next. So then uh, two Aether Vials by the Rebels player uh, resolved and uh, we go ahead and have uh, an island f- and a wasteland in play for Patrick but that's it. And uh, you know, his hand size is reduced some due to uh, do that. We'll see if the top can dig him out in dancers. So Aether Vials now on one and two. And uh, Chapin digging furiously to try to find answers. So Jason Mindscopers come down for Patrick Chapin, and he immediately does the scribe ability, bringing it up to five. Remotion Sergeant. Remotion Sergeant there is. Uh, has a has a search ability and it's in play and so uh, it's but it's not going. There's a judge question now regarding um, regarding something that's going on. Uh, wasteland on uh, the rebel side of the board has definitely been affecting some of Chapin's moves and whatnot. So rebel puts all his guys in attacking on. Uh, on Jason Mind Sculpt that Jason that Chapin had up to eight counters. Um, and uh, Chapin uses Mission Factory to try to block and then uses counterbalance to put a top on top to um, put a t- use a top to put a top on top for counterbalance, uh, countering the source of power shares, forcing uh, rebels to go ahead and use wasteland on the Mission Factory. 
canceling out the blocking action. Sergeant gets uh, sword supply shared, uh, helping Jace, and uh, Jace uh, has been is back up to eight counters. Jace gets up to twelve counters and then goes ahead and ultimates out. Um, after he was up to eight, fate sealed twice. So there you go. That was the end of it. Uh, he got a uh, ability to go and uh, Crucible Worlds as well, and had brought back his Mistress Factory. So he also had the beat down there. So uh, it's it's obvious that. Uh, that Jace the Mind Sculptor is a, a really sick card. But watching the match um, that Chapin was playing, um, the card that I think is absolutely insane in that is Predict. Um, you know, top and then Predict. So uh, top, put three back, or Brainstorm, put two back, and then Predict, name, draw two. I mean... It's absolutely ridiculous how how well that plan uh, was working for Patrick, and uh, I say really it seems to be one of the cornerstones of the deck. Uh, Sam Black was talking about how he wrote an article about that a little while ago, and everyone ignored it. And I have to say, uh, ignore that at your uh, at your own risk. It it was certainly a a heck of a card. Hi there. So yesterday, um, I sat down with one half of the the founding crew of GG's Live, and now I'm with Ray uh, Poonsland. Yep. Okay, I hope I didn't mess it up too bad. And I uh, just want to talk to him a little bit about uh, the endeavor that he goes. Uh, whereas, and after having sat in the booth, I'd say whereas Rashad is the uh, the color guy, or or the uh, we have we have probably the analyst right here. So. <laughs> Uh, how's it going? So, yeah, GG's live. Been going well. We really just started off really from the beginning. Just I can tell you how we started it off. Um, Rashad, Rashad probably told you a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Basically, we're, I was at home watching Street Fighter tournaments. I don't even play Street Fighter. And Rashad was like linking me. I'm like, this is cool. Just watching people play video games. I'm like, it'd be fun if we uh, if there was magic. I'm like, I'd watch it all the time. Rashad's like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. He's like, we should do it sometime and just try it out. Yeah, sure, whatever. Literally a week later, Rashad's like, you want to go to PTQ? I'm like, what? We're going to do coverage for it. Like, oh, I, I haven't been PTQ in a while. I've been busy with like normal life stuff. I draft every once in a while. I'm like, sure, let's go. Go to PTQ. A couple people heard about it. We had a couple hundred viewers and uh, went out really well. Everyone enjoyed it. Everyone was excited about it. And then we did another PTQ and everyone enjoyed it. And then Gen Con, they wanted us to do Gen Con and it's been ro- rolling since. <laughs> And I remember uh, when we started hearing about it on Monday Night Magic. You know, I, I remember hearing about some guys streaming PTQs. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And then when the coverage was going on Gen Con, they, you, certainly, you certainly did hear the vibe from the Magic community. Um, when, when did you start doing, you know, getting invited to the bigger shows like the Grand Prix or the Open Series? Well... The first Grand Prix we did was I'm trying to think. Was that Grand Prix? We did Grand Prix Tampa, then Grand Prix Minneapolis. So after we did a couple of PTQs, we started contacting. We wanted to do Grand Prix, and we started contacting the organizers there, and to figure out how to get there, we tried to find people willing to help us get out there so we could bring, bring people coverage. So we got to go to Tampa, and then the next Grand Prix, Grand Prix Minneapolis. 
Steve Port, who we did a PTQ with, um, Bouchard had a pretty good relationship with him, so it was pretty easy to get into the Grand Prix for Minneapolis, and everyone like everyone wants to see the coverage now. So we, he was more than willing to send us out there, help us out, get us our room, you know. So we're able to bring him coverage and then cover our costs with anyone else willing to help contribute to us to put out some advertisements. So we were able to bring everyone live games at home. So um, where are you guys based out of? Oh, we're both from the Chicagoland area. Known Rashad for, oh, since I've been gaming, we have, he's always going to pass time to a local store, and that's where I grew up playing games, and I went to other stores, but that's where I knew Rashad, and we've played other games together, too, as well. So mainly from the, all the Midwest area that we've been hanging out from. So, uh, you know, standard, you know, you, you see a lot of the same cards in a smaller card pool, but now you've been involved in these open series as well. Uh, d- can you pretty much snap recognize most legacy cards now? The thing is, I, I can almost recognize all the legacy cards, and then there's those judge promos I didn't even know were released, and I'm thinking, like, what the heck is that card? And then there's Japanese cards that, just Japanese cards in black border that look just like throw me off a little bit and legacy is a format where people like pimping out their decks so then the camera like has a foil they foil out their japanese cards it kind of gets hard to tell but for the most part i could recognize most of their cards i knew i remembered a lot of them when i was younger playing the cards and then those obscure cards at first they're not at first they're obscure but then you more and more tournaments you're like i know what that is now i know i've seen it at least two decks (laughs) i've seen it now but for the most part i could i could I could recognize those cards. I was watching a matchup uh, in the first round between uh, a zoo deck and then a a survival of the fittest deck that all the cards were like Chinese or Japanese or something that I could not read or whatever. I remember seeing the picture for survival and I was like, I know this card because of EDH. (laughs) I have no idea what it's called and I have no idea what it does, but I know that I know the card. (laughs) You know, particularly in Legacy where, you know, the Oracle text can be even different than the card text on on the cards. how how familiar do you kind of have to be? Do you refresh your memory on cards before you start casting or anything? Uh, for us, basically, if we don't know a card, one of us tries to keep in talking while the other one is on the computer searching. We're like, okay, well, now we now we can talk about the card. <laughs> so we will read about that. We'll see the oracle text. And ju- Rashad, being a judge, he'll he'll know a lot. He knows a lot of the obscure, weird ruling cards too. So the ones that really that you really need to look at the oracle text from, Rashad's kind of used to those cards because you know those are the cards that you know click in his head more, and it helps out that he knows that while I'm like searching and he could talk about it a little bit and we could get the exact wording and figure out about the cards there too so in the booth what how would you describe your role oh at first we were i was mostly doing a lot of the analyst stuff and commentary but now that we're doing a lot of these events and we've even done a weekend where we've done dual events where um, rashad is at wild nationals i was at the star city game so i've also been working the computer a lot and then trying to get other people uh, like get some pros to commentate some locals to commentate while i'm just doing more of the a little color a little computer stuff so i've mixed up my roles a lot where i'm doing a rashad and i are both trying to figure out everything in the booth because we both need to be able to do everything consistently and be able to provide good coverage even if like one of us can't make it so hopefully the other one could be be able to handle the whole thing because you know most shows most show like a regular tv show has giant crew 
most of the time there's two to three of us doing a whole TV show's work. If you notice something like the Pro Tour Top 8 coverage, there'll be a BDM, a BDM in the booth with Rich, and in the booth all they have is headsets and screens. We have, and then the camera crew, and the camera crew and other people are helping them out there. We do all the other, everyone else's work too in the booth. So we, I've, I've learned how to take control of all the roles possible for Gigi's Live. And now, I mean, where where do you rank yourself technologically wise? I don't want you to just like give out all your secrets on uh, on what you're using to to do the the GD's live stuff. But you know, how technically advanced are you guys? I'd say um, our equipment, most of our our computer equipment, all of it's pretty good. We also the local events we use better computers because we've learned when we're flying to these events. We can't bring our a whole computer and our carry our carry-ons just gets too heavy. So we've learned how to consolidate those to laptops and everything. So those and our software is good. Our camera, we don't have those really really big cameras that you see in like you know a studio or something. We have a really just good high definition camera, and um, most for the most part everything's pretty good. And we're more concerned is brain quality and being able to easily transport it around. So as long as we're able to have like working good working equipment and transport it around, we're able to do that. Like our first few we've done, we were hauling around a full, two full computers. And we're like, this is just not going to work. So we're like, we got to get some more laptops. Really, like laptops that are so only for GG's Live. You know, we both have laptops, but it's our personal stuff. So we needed only GG's Live laptops so we could save things on there, run the stream there, run the chat on one, and it's easy to bring on our carry-on or our check-in luggage without going overweight and being able to transport it everywhere. What what's kind of the vision of the future for Gigi's Live? Well, I guess we'd like to just keep in expanding, like doing more and more tournaments, and branch out into other games. There's a lot of other games there that that could use the commentary. We don't necessarily have to commentate that; just help. We can learn a little bit, get other people to do it. Because I'm sure I don't know if there's any other games you play. But I'm, it'd be fun to watch tournament play of your other games as well. We have a lot of viewers there. There's video game tournaments that go on. There's a lot of things that people would just love to watch. And we'd love to use more and more and more tournaments, being able to well, probably grow our people who are more understand how to use the equipment and just keep on providing it for everyone, basically, in every every form of games, not just Magic, even though Magic's probably our favorite since that's what, that's what we know the most. What, what's what's the most challenging uh, piece of of putting on a GG's live show? The well, most challenging part is probably, it's really long hours, and sometimes if, there's some tournaments where the people that you hope will guest commentate do bad and leave, and Stuff like that. So we're literally talking from the tournament starts at ten, and if you were there last night, we finished what midnight or something around midnight. Yeah. So from ten to midnight, where we need to be in the booth straight. So just trying to stay alert and trying to keep in talking without without you know without falling off track too much, and just staying focused. That that would be the most challenging part. And then other times when we do have a consistent consistent amount of guest hosts were able to take a couple breaks and rest the challenges come when like a lot of techno- te- technological stuff technology and internet not every convention center is good like this convention center the internet's 
is kind of shaky, and we have to compensate for that. Lower the qual, learn how to lower the quality, and just keeping the stream steady, according to how well our internet is. So that becomes a challenge a lot too. So those are probably the two biggest challenges: being alert and keeping the stream strong, despite convention internet or hotel internet or wherever we're at. <laughs> so. Uh what magic do you like to play? Do you, do you still play? You know, what's your favorite format? I do. I do still play. I enjoy prob- I enjoy limited a lot because a lot of my friends who I played with growing up, that's what they like to play the most. Like some of them are not hardcore magic players anymore, and they, they but they still like want to play limited. We enjoy playing limited. We will do it at least once a week. So I like that and constructed. I'm leaning more towards legacy because I don't have the time, as much time to keep up with standard and play that. I feel like I could build a legacy deck and don't play for two months, and I'm like, I feel like I played in a legacy tournament. So let's go pick up that deck I built a couple months ago and be able to play. It'll be, it'll be fun, competitive, mostly competitive. You know, sometimes it changes a little, but for the most part, it's the same deck I could play that and have fun, and that's that's why I like legacy a bunch. I'd like vintage, but <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I don't like playing with proxies, and the the skill level for that for vintage is just you need a lot of practice, just to say the least. <laughs> um, are you guys looking for more people to help out with GG's Live, or are you guys pretty pretty content with the group that you have, or is this something like when you're going to an area, you're looking for some local po- folks who might be able to help out, or, you know, how does that work? Are you kind of all the same folks all the time, or, or do you do you look for extra help? Um, for help, mostly when we've been looking, um, like, for the people who help us throughout the whole show, of course, we look for a lot of locals for to guest, um, pros who attend to guest, for the actual help. It's ten- it tends to be more of the people we're closer with and play magic just because it's easier for us to contact them local but probably in the future we'll just we'll come up with a real system a bigger a more streamlined system of figuring out how to get people to help us and who we pick for the most part it's just people we've trust that are able to talk and can understand the basics of the computer that <laughs> to show them that they could run the stream at least with our help so that's basically what we're doing Okay, and, and now, how long have you been doing this now? Uh, Grand Prix, you said Tampa, so we're talking a little bit over a year now? Yeah, this is, I want to say, end of July of last year. So July 09. Yeah, July 09 is about when we started, and then, because we did, Gen Con was maybe our third event, and that's in August, so... A little over, uh, almost a year, or uh, yeah, almost a year now. So we've been almost doing it a year, and we've from PTQs to just Grand Prix, <laughs> we've done the whole range. We've we've done a lot of them. <laughs> well, I tell you what, as as a Magic player, you know, I I love it when I can go ahead and turn on uh, live coverage of something going on. It, it's always more thrilling when you don't know the results, in my mind. And to be able to get to see, you know, good players playing their decks and get to hear other good players talking about what they're doing so you can understand what they're doing. I mean, it's an opportunity that you can't pass. And for the Magic Playing community, I, I definitely want to say thank you. Yeah, we definitely appreciate everyone who loves our what we do because if people didn't like it, obviously, we'd stop doing it. No one would want us to go out there, but... 
we, a lot of people always tell us we come up to events and people are like we love your show we enjoy what you're doing thank you for bringing it to us and we really appreciate that we were we were doing it for fun just at the beginning and it turned out to be something that a lot of people enjoy even people who uh, don't play magic too much they're able to see oh the game's still alive it's fun watching I, we hear that all the time it's like I haven't played magic five six years but this is great I wish it was when I was playing magic I wish this was around and we really appreciate when people tell us that they enjoy it they like what we're doing and it makes it fun for us to go to these events and bring coverage to people at home Okay, well, good luck and safe travels. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you. Okay, so uh, I have been delinquent in uh, podcasting duties and not really done much. What I've been doing instead is uh, playing EDH because uh, Legacy's been okay, but, you know, it, it's... I, the people just haven't been circulating around. The people I really want to talk to... They, uh, their decks seem to take a long time to win, so uh, I haven't seen them. And then a lot of the folks who, who won have left, uh, although maybe that's a cube draft over there with Usman. If it's a cube draft, Usman's going to be upset with me. Um, so, but open players, your round eight pairings are now being posted. But uh, what, a, what I do know is that in EDH, I ran across some MTG cast fans. So, uh, gentlemen, want to introduce yourselves? Um, my name is Nick Barry. Yeah, I'm Chris Hall. So, and <laughs> you guys are from Kansas City. So, uh, I know that you've been playing EDH uh, for a while at, uh, at the event here. Can you describe the EDH environment and uh, how, some sick things that have happened? Well, I've been uh, running the gauntlet with Arkham Daxon, my friend's uh, cutthroat deck, and people have been uh, getting a little mad at me for playing it, but uh, I switch over after after I beat him in the tournament, and then we play some casual games, and everything works out. So, so uh, for people who don't know what the Arkham deck is, can you give a little bit of description and, and, and exactly how it would be described by maybe Sheldon Menry as douchebaggery? <laughs> well, I mean, I play Mindslaver, and I take people's turns and kill them with their turns, and there's stuff and you know that's not fun and then i end up uh, locking everyone out of the game with uh, mike synthlatus and kill switch if you don't know what those do it's really bad <laughs> yeah basically it means you never get to untap any of your permanents during a relevant stage of the game again so <laughs> and uh and it's general taps to essentially tinker a, an artifact creature for a non-artifact creature. It's uh, it's pretty sick. I've been on the receiving end. So, although he does seem like a decent guy anyway. Uh, what what brings you down to the open? Uh, I came to play in the standard event and I played some Mythic Inscription and people were gunning for me and had some uh, mono red decks and, you know, get, get, get card screwed and, you know, it, it was alright. It was enjoyable. I can play some EDH too. And Never his fault. Never his fault. <laughs> so, uh, did you play in any of the events? Yeah, I played in the standard event as well. Was playing Mono Red. You know, actually, was planning on playing Grixis and about 5:30 yesterday morning. Did a quick audible. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't wasn't really working out so well. So, for the friends, Mono Red. And that's the announcement for the future matches there. Another round has begun. The announcements will probably diminish. So, was your friend's name mentioned in the feature matches? My friend's names? 
Uh, no, I don't think they were. Okay. I, yeah, I don't think anyone from our group was. <laughs> they should have been. Yeah. <laughs> now, well, it, it could be a good thing because feature matches traditionally, if you get a feature match, it means you're on the bubble. Mm-hmm. It means drawing is not a good idea. So uh, they have a 13-year-old. Yeah. Uh, a thir- there's a 13-year-old uh, kid, and his name is? Justin Bieber, or uh, <laughs> Nick Marriott's his real name. So Nick Marriott, uh, who they're obviously giving trouble uh, to, uh, who was uh, X and One. So he was looking to see whether he could draw in. And most likely X and One probably could. So we'll probably go hunt him down in just, in just a minute and uh, see how he's done. And I know that these guys have some store credit from uh, cleaning up on the EDH tables. So anything else you want to shout out to, Mon- uh, to the Monday Night Magic or the, uh, the MTG cast listening community before we go? Don't be a douchebag in EDH like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much that. <laughs> right. Don't, don't, don't be a douchebag. Wise advice to live by. 